Welcome to the Current Intelligence Briefing as part of the Counterterrorism Group. My name is Adam Stevens. I'm here today with Nina Smith, part of the NORTHCOM team covering the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Nina, how are you today? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. The purpose of today's podcast, we want to look at the weekly security brief you and your team pushed out on December, uh, the week of December 28th. In that report, you focus on what are called the three percenters and planned protests that they had regarding COVID restrictions in Washington state. I hope you could dive into who, what, when the three percenters are and what was what they were planning right so the three percenter concept originated from a blog in 2008 three percent specifically coming from the idea that only three percent of americans participated in the revolutionary war it turns out when you do a little bit of research into that there are various estimates for that number going up to about 15% of Americans participating. So that already is founded on a bit of an erroneous idea. But essentially the idea is that, is that if only 3% of people could have overthrown British colonizers, then just a few people now can overthrow tyranny in the government or corruption in the government. So essentially the three percenter concept is focused very much on being anti-government overreach, anti-tyranny, and anti-corruption. It gets a little complicated because it's a concept as well as an organization. There is a sort of national three percenter organization that cited goal is to basically help network people who believe in the three percent concept together so that they can work more on a local level but there are militias that identify themselves as three percenters as well as non-military groups alongside online networks and also just individuals or members of other groups who identify as a three percenter because they are part of the 3% fighting against tyranny. But essentially what was happening in Washington state is that due to COVID-19, the state legislature, the state legislature in Washington has decided to meet primarily remotely, streaming those remote meetings online. The three percenters saw this as a major overstep of basically avoiding oversight of the government by the people because generally the public could come in and view the legislative proceedings from the gallery and the three percenters see this going remote as basically removing the voice of the public and removing oversight of the public from the legislative process. So the plan was to go to the Capitol on Monday, January 11th, in order to protest and attempt to force their way into the Capitol, basically to, and their goal was to protest until the legislative 
body agreed to begin meeting in person in the Capitol again. So I want to stay localized to Washington here. We saw in, in DC this, this violent insurrection, but we also saw localized local government disruptions, if you want to call them that. And we saw something at similar at Olympia where the governor's mansion was more, uh, invaded, if you want to use that term, disrupted. Is this, was this part of the plan? Are three percenters linked in any way to that event? There were no official calls by the three percenters and by the Washington three percenter group to storm the government, the governor's mansion grounds. There were no specific calls to be violent at the Capitol in Olympia, but because of this sort of unorganized structure of the three percenters and because of this, the way that the three percenter, the three percenter idea is a concept rather than specifically a group, there's no way to be sure that there were no three percenters attending any of these protests in Olympia. It's also worth noting that the intended goals of these protests was to basically fight the certification of the electoral college vote, which attendees saw as symbols of, of, of a fraudulent election, which is, a, is the, um, the epitome of government overreach and tyranny. So the concepts lined up with three percenter ideology though we don't have any confirmed connection between the two. So was the attack or disruption on the 6th in Washington state going to be added on to the plans that Washington branch of the three percenters already had? Or what are their plans going forward? Have they made any statements about that? So officially on the website that had originally announced the, they were calling it a legislative lockout on the 11th. The website that announced that then announced that the event was canceled. The event on Facebook has been canceled as well, citing the violence on January 6th. They, they basically said that they would have to cancel the event because they couldn't guarantee that bad actors wouldn't take it over and make it violent. So they maintained that they did not intend their event to be their event to be violent. And in order to prevent future violence, they had canceled the event. So what is what is their stance globally or nationally, I should say, of on violence? Where where does the national quote unquote branch stand versus Washington right. state? So the bylaws of the National Three Percenter Organization and the bylaws of the Washington Three Percenter Organization are almost identical. The main difference is in these sort of pillars of the three percenters. The national group has their pillars being moral strength, physical readiness, no first use of force. And so then the Washington Three Percenters added one more pillar, 
being no targeting of innocence. And so both of these groups agree that they state often in their bylaws that they are not a militia. They, they remain very clear on that. And they are clear that they will not use force unless force is first used on them. And that's, the, that's their official stance on violence. So how deep do these, or does this ideology permeate? Are we seeing just militia groups and organizations or are there other you know, civilian groups that are espousing this ideology? Three percenter ideology can be found in a lot of different groups. Um, essentially, you can be a three percenter and be a member of any other sort of, whether it be a white supremacist group or a militia or anything like that. You could be unaffiliated with any militia and be a three percenter because you agree in, you agree with this concept of uh, combating government over overreach. So. Do we have any any concrete evidence of individuals at moving moving to the DC crisis of three percenters at that you know insurrection, or is it just safe to say that there are probably many people who espoused that ideology? We don't at the moment have any direct connections between people who are officially members of a three percent organization and the group at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. But I would say that it is definitely safe to say that the ideals of people showing up do align with the three percenter concept because the three percenter concept is fairly broad it doesn't get into any specifics against really against any certain race or anything like that. They are just against government overreach, which the, the idea behind the January 6th protest was entirely against perceived overreach by the government in quote unquote, stealing the election. Right. So it's a, it's the, the perfect place where three percenters would be, theoretically. It Yes, it would not be out of place. You have mentioned to me previously an interesting connection with three percenters, specifically the Washington branch and law enforcement. Uh, please, can you talk about that? Right. So in the three percenter bylaws, they have a section focused at three percenter members who are members of law enforcement. And so they offer up a list of oaths to take. So essentially that these law enforcement, they take their oath of office, but then they take these oaths in addition. And these oaths are taken directly from the Oath Keeper organization, just as a Side note, the Oath Keeper organization is essentially, it's a group of law enforcement officers who take these oaths and it's basically a way to 
pledge that in your position as law enforcement, you will not overstep, you will not contribute to government overstep is essentially the concept there. So it's, it's in a way pledging to use their power to adhere to, you know, 3% ideology or ideology that is anti-government overreach, correct? Definitely. Yes. Some of the, a couple of the oaths involved are, I will not obey orders to detain American citizens as unlawful enemy combatants or to subject them to military tribunal. I will not obey orders to disarm the American people. I will not obey orders to impose unjustified martial law or a state of emergency on a state. What you mentioned there, the the oath to not treat civilians as military combatants, which generally we would consider somewhat innocuous as you would hope that no citizen is treated as a military combatant. But when we look at the DC crisis, the insurrection, riot, protest, whatever you'd like to call it, we are seeing individuals force themselves into a restricted location with some claims that they are going to find and kill members of Congress and the executive branch, notably their reports of killing Vice President Mike Pence and his family. And we also saw some some actions by police that that didn't fit what you would expect of police officers in this situation. Those seem to me that they would be considered possibly military combatants. Is there a a clash there between these two, these oath of office and the oath keepers oaths? I think that's unquestionable. I think while, of course, when you look at what happened on January 6th, you watch some of the footage the Capitol Police were outnumbered, unquestionably. And so there are some questions to be made about leadership and why there were, where it's not more preparation for this day, why there was not more, not, not more protection for the Capitol building. But I think that it is definitely worth investigating and worth asking if any of the Capitol Police have taken these oaths, these oath keeper oaths, because it's unquestionably a, a conflict of interest between protecting the capital against armed citizens and pledging to not disarm the American people. I think there's no way that you couldn't see that as a conflict of interest. I think it, it certainly bears investigating further I know that there are many people focused on what happened on January 6th. The counterterrorism group is organizing the the work of several reports going forward based on the events of the 6th and looking forward to the inauguration date on January 20th. Talk a little bit about what you are doing 
as the assistant team leader of Northcom and what parts you're taking part in um, with other team members as far as these reports go. So at the moment, Northcom is working really hard right now to put out some, some flash alerts about current and present danger. We have recently put out a flash alert about DC area threats. And so we'd like to put out one for other, for state capitals and other government buildings. We're also working on some person of interest reports, attempting to identify attendees of the, the riot in the Capitol and to sort of work up their connections and some identities. Hopefully this information could be useful for law enforcement. Um, next week, we're going to be really delving into a more detailed report on the Capitol situation, you know, potentially looking into the timeline, the groups involved, their motivations, as, and the, the uh, police response as well. At this moment, I'm focused on working on the security brief for this week. Um, I'd like to focus on this event along with what else, you know, what other of major events have happened throughout the, the nation this week. And I'd like to provide some analysis and predictions about implications surrounding what happened on the 6th. Not to have you give me the full report here, what kind of contextualizations and implications are you, are you focusing your time on? Well, I think that we would have to look at the political implications because political implications will undoubtedly affect public response. We will have to look at the implications of the recent Twitter, the recent response by Twitter to Donald Trump and some of his followers uh, to see how that might incite more action by these followers. And we'll also be focused a great deal on potential violence in the future, especially regarding the election or the inauguration. And the time in between now and the inauguration is likely to be fraught in DC. And so we'll be doing our best to just provide some predictions surrounding potential violence. Yeah, it's gonna be a, a flashpoint area in DC for the next month, likely. Definitely. Uh, I thank you, Nina, for your time and coming on the current intelligence briefing. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I wanna thank listeners for joining CIB. You can catch more reports on LinkedIn at the Counterterrorism Group or follow us on any major social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That's all for us this week, and hopefully you'll join us next week. My name is Adam Stevens. Thank you.